This is the Impossible Things Podcast. Here are three average guys discussing the impossible. Jesse Human, Jimmy Donahue, and your host, Kyle Cole. Welcome back to the Impossible Things Podcast. It is me again, Kyle, with Jesse. Yeah. 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 Back at it again with in high fidelity sound. <laughs> I'm uh, currently back from China, although I have to go back again. Oh, I'm four for three on this one. But uh, being that I just recently came back like a week ago, almost, I came back and I brought something with me. Was it pleasant or unpleasant? It was completely unpleasant. Yeah. Was it Jimmy? No, it was not oh. Jimmy this time. I might ship him back in a box huh. when I'm there next. I think I'll do that. Okay. Yeah. So what was it? Oh, I it, uh, my doctor suspects pneumonia. It was it was respiratory Chinese pneumonia. No, I would no. Yes, it could be either. But I mean, the air quality is not the greatest in the city True. that I'm in. Yeah. So I am surprised it took this long to affect me. I guess, but nonetheless, it, I'm I'm on the up and up. I'm back to breathing relatively normally. All right. Uh, I'm certainly no longer contagious. I had to take some antibiotics. Oh, so it was bacterial. Apparently. Yeah. I, I feel like there was some a note of precaution. Like, hey, you should take this just in case. Yeah. I, I don't think there was any definitive, this will solve this problem. It was more of a, mm-hmm. you should take this. Yeah. When I had taken antibiotics too recently. During our end of antibiotics yeah. episode. Ironically. <laughs> it was, uh, I got the same type of impression from my doctor. He said, just wait. And then if it doesn't, if you don't clear up by Saturday, take this. Yeah. I, think I waited that's... all the way till Monday. You held out. I did hold out. Hold out. But... <laughs> Nonetheless, you took it. I eventually succumbed. Well, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm trying. I'm trying to capitalize on the time it is working. Right. You because certainly it, there will be a time it doesn't. Certainly understand how we got here, though. I mean, referring to the overuse, because overuse is one of the problems that we identified as why antibiotics are becoming, you know, uh, defeatable by by the yeah right mm-hmm. because they're overprescribed when they're not really needed, and then. Your, body our bo- your bodies are processing it yeah. in a weird way because we're processing it processing it too much. Right. I think I mentioned it in the episode. I had a theory about that. Mm-hmm. I have a theory about that in life is that when I was a teenager, I had... Maybe I didn't mention this. Huh. It, it doesn't really matter. I'm going to say it again right Please now. Please do. But when I was a teenager, I had noted that a lot of my peers would take eight ibuprofen or four Tylenol to like lose a headache because, mm-hmm. man, it just it hurts so bad and I just can't lose it with just the prescribed dosage. Yeah. And I was thinking, man, that's really odd. And so I had had the, just the off thought, logical, logical thinking. I'm very much a logical thinker. So I'd had the logical thought that they're probably needing so much of it because their body's immune to the, the, the pain that killing the pain receptors, yeah. uh, or, you know, anti-inflammatory, et cetera, et cetera. And I was thinking to myself, you know, if I don't take, if I don't take a, a painkiller every time I have just a mild headache, if I can just power through it mm-hmm. i'll bet you that that drug will be effective for me for a very long time and i was not wrong all right i am currently 31 it takes a grand total of one ibuprofen to get rid of a very very bad headache for me yeah i'm the same i i think when i was younger my my ploy was i will sleep this off if i can and if i couldn't if i had if i actually if i had to take something to like power through the day i that's what i would do but it was always a very small dosage if yeah. i if i took the recommended tylenol dosage at the time when I was 16, it would knock me on my butt. I yeah. w- would be completely useless. And so, I, as, as I've just said, I can take less than the recommended adult mm-hmm. dosage of ibuprofen and usually lose a headache. Nice. 
Um, unfortunately, ibuprofen is good for other things, i.e. anti-inflammatory, which yeah, is what it is. That's right. Yeah, so because is. I am getting older, and my, my joints and muscles do not respond to activity the way I would like them oh, to. Yeah. I'm having to take more of that than I would prefer. But I, I had a good run. I had a very good run. Solid. And so I think antibiotics are the same. I did this. I did a similar thing when I was, you know, 16 to 22. I, Could I be. did oh, not did not take every I would not finish off antibiotics as you are prescribed to i yeah. would only take what i needed to to get better and then stop well i took i finished mine i i do now don't, don't yeah. make no mistake i definitely take the entire thing yeah now. i can't afford for that to come back and bite me in the butt no, no i have other can't. lives depending on me not being ill yeah i think i just got lucky with the headache thing because i never had them i i had until my the big one you know oh, yeah the headache <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate headache I wish I could say the headache to end all headaches, but it didn't. I know you are still here (laughs) and I'm very happy about that. Referring to my brain tumor. Yes. For anyone who was, for anyone who didn't follow that. Not in the loop. We we have mentioned it before. Yeah. But that, yes, that was the headache to, uh, Trump all headaches. Let's say that. No, no, Trump is a big headache. Never mind. (laughs) Again, a different topic for a different week. You went there. But, uh, so today though, we are, we, we're not talking about Trump. We are not talking about headaches. We're not talking about the end of antibiotics, at least any further. Uh, we are talking about smell-o-vision. We are. I I originally poo-pooed this topic. I think you did. I really did. And I think we only got you to agree to it because we, we included the the subcategory of, uh, entropy. Which we'll also get to. Right. Correct. And how you might say is entropy related to smell-o-vision? Oh, no, no, no. Don't, don't give it away yet. Kyle asked that too. Don't give it away yet. I don't want to know yet. I'll, I'll give you a little teaser. It's, okay. It might be a stretch. Um, oh, but let, we're let's still going to do it. <laughs> Everybody out there in internet land, keep in mind, this is the only way we can get them to agree to this topic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Te- tease further, it up. Let's hear it. On further research. No, I don't want to, I don't oh. want to tease it any more than that. Man. Okay. You just got to have to listen. Ugh. Because well, they won't buy the cow if they get the milk for free. Uh, you know, I had, a lot of people say that and I think that's wrong. <laughs> Sometimes the convenience of having the cow. You know what? This no, this analogy is <laughs> broken down. Really breaks down. Okay. So well, here's what we're talking about. If you were watching a movie and there are smells associated with what you're watching, yeah. or if you're watching TV at home and there were actual smells associated with what you're watching, that other, that is you mean that other is, than popcorn. Well, other than yes, other than the natural smells of your environment. Okay. Smells that match the environment of the movie you're watching. Uh-huh. The like image on the screen. They're there intentionally. A smell track. Yeah, let's call it that. Another dimension of the experience of, of watching a yeah. movie. Yeah. Other than sight and sound. That that's what we're talking about. That, that, is, that is the impossible the quote unquote quote unquote yeah. impossible thing. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say quote unquote is because I've experienced smell of vision. Yes. Have you experienced it, Jesse? I think to some degree I have. Okay. Well, do you do you do you have any examples of this? Uh the the first one that I always think of is if you've been to Disneyland. And they oh, have a few. Okay. They have a few attractions. Several, there. and they have for years. Yes, they have. It has been years, hasn't it? It has. Yeah, it's kind of an old. Honey, old I shrunk thing. the audience. I believe was that. That's my first association with smell. Yeah, with an on-screen and a smell association. Actually, did they have smell in that? I don't think they had smell. There was other effects. There was like water. Yeah, and like rats. The, the dog and, sneezed on you. Right. Yeah, so this is it is a dimensional. A dimensional change of the experience, but that was all f- touch. Those are all touch. Yeah, s- really, very touch sensitive. Now. But they do, uh, so soaring over. Yep, yep, soaring over California has it. California. Um, the, the bugs. Yeah, it's a bugs, bugs life. It's a, yeah. Thing. yeah. That has smell too? I haven't done that in so long. It does. It, uh, it smells like farts, I believe. Oh, wonderful. Indeed. 
<laughs> Wonderful. I would love to have met the researcher that had to figure out how to make a fart smell well, on you know, command. These, these smells are all canned already. Oh, yes. There's, yeah. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah. So nonetheless, it does exist. So I guess it's not entirely impossible. What we are talking about, though, is more of the like on-demand experience. Yeah, this one's similar more to flying, commonplace. flying cars for me. Sure. Because yeah. it's, it's something that we know is attainable. Yeah, absolutely. It just doesn't it's exist. It's impractical in, a, in scale. It doesn't exist widespread. You know, it's not the mainstream. So I think we're more discussing, could, will this ever go? Yeah, is, is the demand ever going to be there? I think that, that, that to me is what we're talking about. So did you have an example of smell vision other than I actually I, when I, I went and looked at the history of this 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 was very interesting to me yeah is that the the only widespread hang on sorry I did not have my research handy but I found an article that said the first and only use of smell vision which I thought was interesting um, and so it actually goes all the way back to 1960 <laughs> and there yeah. were only there were three specifically equipped theaters in early 1960 Los Angeles Chicago and New York City. Uh, it didn't really work properly, but this is the uh, they're they're asserting that this is the only only instance of actual smell vision. Uh, there there's kind of like a a subset to that is that like MTV aired something in the 80s uh, that that was a compl- it was essentially a long commercial where mm-hmm. they distributed scratch and sniff cards, yeah, and then instructed the audience on MTV to scratch a particular number on the card yeah. and oh, smell thought- that. Maybe I read it wrong, but I was thinking that was the same movie that they showed. Oh, was the, it? it I mean, oh, you're right. It is. It's the same film. It's called The Scent of Mystery. Right. And it was aired on MTV in the 80s. Again, yeah. it, 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 the, the way the, the article, it's Wikipedia. Don't judge me. <laughs> the way the Wikipedia article phrases it, it says that it was in conjunction with a convenience store promotion mm, and that they clever. distributed scratch and sniff cards to viewers that were used to recreate the theater experience. So you're right. It was the same thing. But nonetheless... The only so it sounds like there was a deliberate film attempt yeah. to correlate smell and sight and sound, right? And it was only really done once in a theater at the time, because we've already noted it's done, you know, a couple, a couple hundred times a day mm-hmm. at Disney parks globally, right? I, I, actually, as well as Universal parks, Universal has the Shrek 4D experience. There's yeah. smell in that as well, right? And they they do uh, smell. Uh, reinforcement, I guess you can call it, at other places sure. around. It's not only related uh, you, to the screen, but what we're it, talking about. It isn't. I mean, the the famed uh, Disneyland Main Street smell. Right. That is a that is a, a d- deliberate attempt to broadcast in quotes the yeah. smell yeah. down out into the public. That has nothing to do with film. So, I have this print source here. A print source. A, a book. What year is it? <laughs> Let's hear it. It's called a book. A it's book. A, it's a collection of papers book. bound at, on one side. Bound? Uh, stuck together. Interesting. And uh, this facilitates the, uh, let's see, so you can, you turn over one one leaf at a time of paper. And it creates a, uh, a synthesized uh, web browsing experience. Wow. Uh, just on paper. How very practical. Yeah. Or impractical. Very tactile. Tactile. That's you the know, word I'm thinking. You know what's cool about these? Uh, the batteries last forever. No. On them, yeah. What kind of <laughs> technology is this? And, and no one can go in and edit my source. It's revolutionary. Yeah. It's, Man, you this, think it'll catch on? It's the way of the future. You don't say. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there's I, I hear the the libraries key... are popping up all over with... What is a library? With a, a large uh, collection of Isn't that of that these. tab in my iTunes? Well, there's well now there's um, 
physical libraries, brick and mortar. Brick and mortar. Yeah, actual storefronts. We're going well, the wrong way. What a waste of space. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this, I feel, the younger generation, I just uh, how what's retro the world coming to <laughs> seriously. So this is this book is called What the Nose Knows. What? What the Nose Knows. And N O S E. Oh. K N O W S. Ah. <laughs> I see this now. Uh, the Science of Scent in Everyday Life by Avery Gilbert. Avery oh. Gilbert. Okay. Okay. There is an entire chapter on smell-o-vision. Okay. Also, very common name there's a chapter called uh, Zombies at the Mall. I don't know if I want to know what the correlation between smell and zombies is, but okay. I didn't read that chapter, but you reminded me of it when you mentioned the Main Street scent. Yes. Uh, leading consumers by the nose is the subheading of Zombies at the Mall. That makes sense. I mean, like the, the, the popcorn smell in movie theaters, which you've already noted, is mm-hmm. very prevalent. I think that it works on my wife. That's for certain. Yeah. She could not be hungry at all. We yeah. made the movie. She smells the popcorn. She needs the yeah, popcorn. They, they pump it out there. They, they know. definitely intentional. That They know noses. <laughs> they do. So uh, so they, there's a whole chapter in this in this uh, book mm-hmm. about uh, smell-o-vision yeah, specifically? 20, 20 pages. Wow. On, on smell-o-vision. So, so was, was smell-o-vision ever actually widely accepted as an idea? Even, uh, even if the technology was not fully deployed, he got the funding. Todd, uh, Michael Todd, okay, was the one who kind of. So there was a German researcher whose name I can't recall. But anyway, this German researcher, uh, Laube, okay, uh, developed the technology. Yeah, and Michael Todd, who was married to Elizabeth Taylor, interesting, uh, decided to make to try to get this to be a thing in movie theaters. Yeah. And they did, they did it. They convinced enough people to, to get funding and to actually make the scent of mystery and then specially equipped theaters, three of them, three of them to install the, the mechanics. Hmm. So this one, so there's, okay. There's also a Roma Rama. Yeah. I, that is not time. one I heard of in my research. It's, it was much less successful. Apparently it didn't re- require any additional installation. Interesting. They just put the sense into the AC the air conditioning system. Huh. And that, we're kind of skipping ahead in our outline, but that didn't go well. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure that that posed other problems. Yeah. I, I mean, you, and you'd really have to be general, generally specific about yeah. the smell you'd pick. It'd have to be very like genre based, like, oh, right. we need action sense for this, for this action film and action sense. <laughs> I don't know, like gunpowder smells. I th- yeah, gunpowder smell is a good example. I, it's a good example because it does correlate to something, some yeah. research I did find. But that, like, you'd have to be pretty deliberate about what you picked, yeah, so and s- for what type of movie. Exactly. The smell vision had a uh, little spray, uh, what spray nozzles, I guess, mm-hmm. on the back of the seat in front of you. Yeah, which is, I think, what, more like what we expected. We would expect to see if we were going to do right. this now or see it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, has the advantage of possibly, hopefully, not filling the entire room. Right. The Romarama thing had a huge. I mean, they talked about. They had some interviews in the book about uh-huh. people that worked on it, and one of the guy's wives said we had to like hang out his suits and open all the windows and oh. the suit, everything. All his clothes just smelled so bad. That's because true. That a, all the smells kind of. They just put him into the air conditioning and it just right. permeated everything, and the one smell wouldn't. So somebody said, oh, I wish I could bookmark this quote, but it, somebody said uh, the initial the initial scene where, so you would go into the movie theater and they would like show you a 
presented in Aromarama. Right. And it had somebody cutting an orange. And they had, when they cut the orange, the smell of... You'd smell orange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he said that was... When you saw them cut the orange and you smelled the orange, that was incredible. Yeah. But when the movie started and more smells started coming out, you still sort of smelled the orange and then mixed with, you know, whatever. There's similar, similar challenges all, on... They the, all kind of blended together. And right. Just, it got really bad, really overwhelming. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's similar challenges. Citrus is a very strong smell in general. Yeah. So there, there are similar challenges to presenting anything with post citrus in it now. Uh-huh. Um, and not necessarily the easiest, easiest thing to combat, but yeah. I didn't do any research on that specifically. So yeah, that was the first thing my wife said though, when we were talking about uh, smell of vision, yeah. she goes, Oh, in Soren over California, they kind of do that. Yeah. But it smells like citrus grove for the entire time. <laughs> yeah. That was specifically the challenge I was referring to. Yeah. Is that at the, every experience I've had on that attraction, they, I cannot smell anything other than orange past that, <laughs> past that scene. Yeah. I, it, it takes a stretch. Like you kind of have to force yourself to like smell through it, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. It's like when the ocean pops up later, you're like, I guess I smell the ocean. Yeah. It's a very orangey ocean, but right. anyway, I think again, we digress, but the, so where are we in the, I, well, like, like, so what are the challenges? Like, what are the challenges with actually, if we, if we were going to talk about doing this, like in mass, like we're going to mm-hmm. do this in everyday life in every theater, or at least in one screen of every theater plex in the country, what are the challenges? Well, there's, uh, I think we've seen infrastructure. That was, that was, that's probably my first. The installation cost, infrastructure development, and uh, yeah. convincing theaters, and this is a good idea, would probably be the first and most uh, concrete hurdle. Yeah, I mean, one of the pieces of pieces of research I found, like quoted it at seven hundred thousand dollars per screen to do is, this. Are, is that the AIG or the AEG? AEG, yeah. Installation that, in LA. Yep. So, but there's that's more than just olfactory interaction yeah that's that's like the seats move and there's extra speakers in the seats and there's quite a bit of more than just there's other dimensions Mm -hmm. added than just smell to that installation and we were talking off off recording about how that it's actually surprising that it's only seven hundred thousand dollars for like hydraulic seats and seriously you know extra speakers and Mm -hmm. I, i mean like They've they've obviously they've streamlined it as much as they can. Seven hundred thousand dollars actually doesn't translate into that bad of a hit yeah, for an extra couple of dollars per a, ticket. A company the size of AEG, right? Oh, okay. They they have the money to lose to try this out, yeah. and they are legitimately trying it out. And they're trying it because it worked, and it worked in some Asian markets. Yeah. I believe is where they tried it initially. Right. There's a Korean company that does this. That AEG is uh, Korean, yeah. contracted. Yeah. And I'll post the short, like, little blurb article from Bloomberg. So if they're trying, it must have worked in Asia. Yeah, but, like, things like that tend to tend to be better received there. And then okay. when they're marketed to more Western cultures, I guess, it doesn't always go well. Mm-hmm. It's just a different, different affinities for different technology. Yeah. I, I think that this won't... Well, we'll get to that in the conclusion. So we've tried... I think about this, but... We've tried... Uh, our movie industry has tried uh, several several times to augment the movie experience. Yes. And we've been on basically the talking picture for a long time. Right. So it's going to have to be something, I don't know. I mean, are we... There has, a been, a, there has been a, a cultural, culture-wide revolution to movie watching recently. 3D. Everything is offered in 3D now. It's not just yeah. horror movies or special showings of every... It's actually... My wife and I went to a movie the other night. She gets very queasy in mm-hmm. three-dimensional movies. So 
we don't we t- we tend to try to find ones that aren't aren't 3D, and it's actually becoming more difficult to find a non 3D showing of a movie. Okay. So I would say that that's a pretty big jump based on where we were kids. It was a very oh you're going to go to an IMAX movie. That's yeah. a, there at the time at least when I was a kid. Yeah. Well, when we were kids, there was only three IMAX screens in Southern California. That's right. And one in one in one or two in Los Angeles. Uh, and then I think one in Orange County, certainly one in San Diego. And those are the ones. And it was mostly like nature yeah, films. And that's right. You had to like really make a day out of it. Yeah, you did. And the theaters were huge and they were impressive. And mm-hmm. then I remember when, I think around the time I was a teenager, the Irvine Spectrum opened a theater with four IMAX screens in it just yeah. to show regular movies. And that was a big freaking deal. That was a big freaking deal. I saw Independence Day. I think the first movie I saw there on IMAX was one of the Matrix movies. Nope, nope. It was a Star Wars reshowing. It was when uh, Episode Four was re-released. Cool. But I definitely saw one of the Matrix movies there, and I remember it still being impressive at yeah. that point. Nonetheless, that that was the in my mind was the last major leap in the cinematic experience definitely. was 3D becoming a very common projection type. Yeah, and I think you could make the argument that it it was done a lot better than earlier attempts. Completely. Technology advanced to a stage where. It was much more accessible and not distracting. Yeah, we were using phase instead of color so mm-hmm. that you weren't stuck with the red and blue lenses yeah, to right. to decipher really bit poorly done 3D. Yeah. So, and it's become a lot more. I mean, people are used to it. Yeah, it's become I, very common. Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, mo- almost more common than a standard movie experience. It, it has definitely become the mainstream or part of the mainstream. And it, I don't know. I don't see... Person, well, I mean, that's save that for the conclu- conclusion. But do you think? I guess what we're, we should deal with is the obstacles to smell. Right. Well, like, I mean, you you noted that, that the, the problem. Uh, well, you noted, and we've alluded to mm-hmm. in our discussion about the the orange smell. The the problem really is in how the scents are produced and how they're presented. Yeah. I, I mean, producing the scents, a lot of smell and taste are correlated. So it's not too far of a stretch to actually create a particular scent and say, oh, you know, like I want orange smell. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like they can produce that. But the challenge I think comes from producing an orange smell adjacent to or subsequent to another smell and presenting them as separate isolated experiences within the the range of a film. I feel like that's where I, I agree with your, your point about that. That is a big challenge. Yeah, that is. And, uh, Let's see, while you were saying that, I thought of another thing. I think smell is so much more accurate than our other senses in some ways. And we can distinguish between minute differences in smells. Right. So I read one quote, I don't remember if it was in the book or an article, but somebody said, oh, the pine forest in Peking that was supposed to smell, you know, really fresh and piney, mm-hmm. ended up just smelling like a freshly cleaned subway bathroom. Yeah. And... Uh, well, I mean, I think it was in the book because then he said, "Oh, I definitely empathize with lab technicians who get something right, literally on paper, because they they get the smell in a in a, in a dropper and they right. put it on a little uh, piece, piece of paper, paper a little blotter, blotter, yeah. and then they can smell it that way. And it it doesn't necessarily transfer from that medium to you know a scent disseminated to an aroma system. Yeah, yeah. I what? I mean, like there's certainly that, but there's also like a, specifically to the pine thing." we have gotten society more accustomed to smelling pine in a cleaning scenario than in nature. True. And those and are so, some of the preconceived preconceptions you have to. Right. Absolutely. From. Is that when you smell pine, at least for me, like oh, nine times soul. out of 10, I think of pine soul. I do not yeah. think of a forest. Right. 
um, or a Christmas tree or a pine tree. And there, we have an overabundance of pine trees in this part of the state, but in my opinion, but hmm. it, like, I don't think I don't associate the smell of pine with the tree, which is where I'm sure it originated. But right. But pine forest smells so different than it pine does cleaner. completely there. And there, I mean, as much as a synthetic sound sounds different than a natural sound, mm-hmm. at least to me it does. Right. Uh, and I'm sure to most people, they w- might not be able to articulate it, but that, that is the case. Yeah. I think the smell, any sense is the same thing. You can decipher that there is a difference. You might not know that the difference is fake versus real, but right. you can decipher a difference. Yeah. So I, I think, I think I agree. That's the largest challenge in this is that trying to present the smell in that medium is next to, next to impossible to do it repeatedly mm-hmm. back to back to back to back to back with such, uh, such a variety of smells be different if you're showing a continuous commercial of citrus (laughs) right oh a lemon oh oh man can you imagine they would just be trying to uh, commercials with smell yeah like say if your tv ever was able to produce oh no i would unplug that feature so fast no seriously it'd be the noise war all over again they'd just be trying to like blast out each other's smells because you'd have citrus like a pine salt commercial say right and then you'd have, you know, followed by like a beef commercial. <laughs> and I don't know, if, I don't know if any of you out there the lived lived with, been near a pregnant person, but that would be the worst feature of television watching ever. No one would use that. I can't imagine one single person. I, using it, like, I mean, the, the biggest challenge for me, at least, with imagining a world where a television produces the smell is that we're not, we're no longer talking about. I, follow me here and don't don't break apart my semantics because there's definitely what I'm about to say. There's a huge semantic flaw in, but smell-o-vision presents a mechanical issue to the TV watching experience. And I'm not discounting the fact. Here's my semantic discontinuity. I'm not discounting the fact that a speaker is a mechanical object and that a television is a mechanical object. I'm saying that now there is an actual machine. You've got an aerator. Mm. You've got a, a pump of yep. a pump of pneumatic pressure. Yeah. You've got these other things that are involved that aren't just electrical impulses, which is yeah. what every other part of the TV experience is. Yes. You've got those as well, but you now you have a mechanical aspect to what, Plus what's you happening. Have, you have to have all the smell cartridges and you'd have to Right. You'd have to change those cuz they're not sending the smells over. No, over the know, air. Over no, the no, no. They're sending control. Control. Control for a local mechanism. And that's that's my true problem. Is you'd that you can send out. audio over the air. Yeah. You can send video over the air. Well, modulation. However, you can't really modulate smell. That's just not. That's yeah, not to, the way. You'd have to change around all of the uh, printer cartridges, right? And then there's some interesting technology in regards to that that mm-hmm. I think we're going to cover in other episodes, um, or at least I feel we're going to cover in other episodes, not in this season. Um, that would kind of correlate to this. So I'm sure this will come back up at that topic because I feel like they're very similar in in method. If you could were be. going to do this, could be. Did you see the smartphone? That was. Uh, I was going to conclude the. The, the body section of this podcast yeah. with that. Yes, I did. I saw a couple of articles about it, and I think it's an interesting, One of the, kitschy thing. It is kitschy. I don't see it ever, ever going into No, it's extreme. a gimmick. It's completely gimmicky. One of the ones, one of the articles you had clipped uh, had the researcher saying, oh, it was predictions from 2014 for 2015. Right. And <laughs> Which are comical in that it wasn't that long ago, but they're comical. comical. They are bold predictions, I will say that. Yeah. Most people are not so bold. No. But one of the ones was that these smell apps with the phone attachment. Right. I was going to catch on. Boy, were they dumb. They, and they, that was only two years ago. They didn't get that right. 
not even close. I don't. Again, you're calling it a bold prediction. I think it's blatant stupidity. Uh, I think if they'd known the history of smell-o-vision. Okay, for me, the the medium does not transfer. It's the it's right. the medium problem. It's not the delivery system or. Well, the, uh, the delivery is impacted by the medium. I think. Of course. That's. I mean, that's what we're saying. Is that that's what we said about the the cartridge thing? Right. Is that there's no way to like mass broadcast a smell. Yeah, but they. Uh, so when you read about uh, smell-o-vision, I think Anaromarama too. I think they most of the writers who I was reading uh-huh. left it kind of open because yeah. they said, well, the technology was it never really got perfected because the, there's no demand. The early, well, that and the early uh, viewers of it didn't really have a positive experience, right? So, and, but if they had more time, they could have maybe perfected it. And sure, maybe the d- delivery system wasn't fully operational in a in a perfectly functional sense and uh, maybe they maybe there is a way to make it work where it's the cell smells are subtle enough to right. be present but not overpowering yeah and we can perfect our uh, smell cartridge uh, design chemistry yeah. and get the smells really right and figure out a way to have them dissipate or space them out so that one's not right on top of the other one sure or I, yeah. Well, and I mean, like, really, it's if the demand increases, then the research will increase. The technology will will get more efficient. Right. But I mean, it could very well be that it's going to be a really like out there analogy. But like live live presentations on TV, mm-hmm. outside of it being a blatant call out, like a night uh, like a night talk show, like the Tonight Show or mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. that. That yes, that's live TV. Saturday Night Live is a live production, obviously live to tape, but live nonetheless. Um, other than those things, there wasn't a lot of attempts. There's a very, very dark period of time in TV where there was not like a let us present an entire two-hour musical presentation mm-hmm. live on TV. It's been coming up a lot more recently because there was a huge response to the first attempt of, I think it was The Sound of Music was the most recent most recent, oh, yeah. large-scale thing. And now they did Grease Live. Those kinds of productions were very impractical until recently. Right. And so NBC, I think, was who did Sound of Music. They were like, ah, let's just, let's do this. It'll be fun. We'll put Carrie Underwood out there. Not not good casting, by the way. I don't think any of this was a good idea. <laughs> Grease, however, was fantastic. And it wasn't super impractical to film, and it wasn't super mm-hmm. impractical to broadcast. So I think that maybe, bringing it back to the topic at hand, I think that if there if there is ever a call for Smell-O-Vision to come back up, it could very easily become practical through research and marketing because that's really what drives this is money. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I think it could be practical, practically deployed if there's a demand for it. But I just don't think the demand. Every time it's been tried in the last fifty years, it, yeah. the demand has not really kicked up any more interest. I, I I noted this down in the outline here, but uh, in reading, well, I think it was before I even read the book, and it was partly what what caught my eye when I saw the book on the on the shelf in the store there. Uh-huh. But I've been sort of thinking about smell and how, how averse our culture is to smells. Yeah. And we really, we really, really go out of our way to avoid poor yeah, smell. Yeah. Yeah. To cover it up and anything that's, let's see, I wrote it out. And I thought it worked out pretty well. I okay. seem to prefer no smell to the possibility of smelling something that has even a slight possibility of being the least bit offensive. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, Yeah. I'm glad you classified that specific to Western society because it's definitely not a prevalent issue in right. Asia at all. Yeah, but if it's food or something, I, I, we're we're really on board with with good smelling food. Absolutely. But, but you know, if it's if it has the least possibility of smelling bad, we're we're like so out completely. And I know I think it would be pretty difficult for an honest filmmaker. 
I mean, take Star Wars, for yeah. example. I mean, what good smells are there in Star Wars? Hey. Yeah, no, there's like engines hey. and blasters, blasters and burning, burning metal. flesh. Yeah, and burning flesh. Yeah. And the trash compactor. Oh, the trash compactor. With all... <laughs> What would you make that smell like? You know what? Let's not go there. What That's an okay. incredible smell you have. You could not leave that out of your smell track. No, 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 no. They reference the smell in the script. Yeah. You couldn't just like go, oh, no, I'm not going to put that one in. Right. I'll wait until they're having cookies after. Yeah, right. <laughs> As they are prone to doing in Star Wars. Yeah. Lots of cookies in that. So do so. Do we think this is ever going to be possible? I and don't. I, I, I just don't think it's... I don't think there's ever going to be a demand for it. Like, it, like you, you've just noted, like yeah. that's not something Western society is big on is making a smell. And smell is far more intrusive than sound. Because even if there's unpleasant sounds that you can't necessarily not uh, not can't force ignore, on somebody yeah. else, you can put noise canceling headphones on. There's not smell canceling nose phones. No, not yet. That would be the next invention, <laughs> though. I mean, like that. But that's kind of the thing is like this is su- such an intrusive right. thing to people who aren't trying to experience what you're experiencing. Yeah. Like it's potential. My neighbors could hear my TV, but if they if they're annoyed so much, they can put earplugs in. They can put headphones on. They can turn on their own TV. They can turn on their own TV. But the smell, what's yeah, it just permeates. Yeah, there's there's no real way to. I mean, and there are ways. I'm sure there's technology that can be developed to combat this. Febreze yeah. is a very good anti-smell uh, technology. But that's the you just. But you have to go to the source. Your neighbors can't spray it around their house. And then get rid of the smell. Right. Agreed. And that's and Febreze is actually a pretty good technology for this kind of context because mm-hmm. it's not actually getting rid of the smell. It's just masking the smell with a different smell, a more pleasant smell. Yeah. It doesn't actually get rid of smell. So that's, to me, like, I just don't see this being practical to do. So I don't think it'll be possible. No. Uh, possible. Well, I mean, we're well, doing it's not it, the, but not... Yeah, no, the possibility... The, in the same again, way, flying what we, car what, is impossible. Right. What we defined... I'm, what we defined as the impossibility, which is, will anybody ever deploy this in mass, like to everybody's television I or to everybody's phone? I doubt it. I don't think so. No. I think that's impossible. We never got to entropy, but... No, I, I like think this done. is where you're going to cover it right here. Let's right. hear it. Okay. Why, why is entropy related to the smell vision Okay. Here's my original thought. Yes. Uh, so part of the problem as we have, have discussed is getting, for example, the orange smell to go away. Right. And... The next smell to be, you know, your palate, your olfactory palate is cleansed right. for the new, for the, you know, the fresh baked bread or whatever it is. Uh-huh. That was one of the interesting things about uh, uh, one of the technologies is they tried to show the movie. Oh, it was a sense of mystery. Yeah. And somebody said, you know, the, the movie doesn't really translate. You can just show it without the smell track. Right. But uh, you end up with a loaf of bread coming out of the oven and then being held up to the camera for a camera for a an inconscionably long amount of time <laughs> and like, it doesn't make any sense. 3D started the same way though. It's like, ah, oh, flying pie in your face. Yeah. Yeah. An arm it's reaching true. out. And those would definitely be the kind of things that would become more subtle right. as time went on. But yeah. You know, the, anyway, so getting the smells to go away, that's that's one of the things. Yeah. That's where entropy comes in because right. entropy is the, the qua- qualification of, no, the quantification of the decay in energy right or heat usable energy in a chemical sense mm-hmm. physical physics in a physics sense it applies in chemistry too uh i think that's that's probably where the two disciplines converge right so the second law of thermodynamics is really concerned with entropy mm-hmm. and the the amount of usable energy that remains that can be transferred yeah from source to source so it says 
that, you know, a heat source produces an amount of heat, Mm -hmm. which can be easily quantified, but the amount of usable energy that can be transferred. Yeah. Like say your stove, it makes a lot of the fire on your stove or the other burner, the the coil burner Mm -hmm. makes a lot of heat, but you can't transfer that all to your food. Right. Some of it just dissipates and goes out into the air and... Mm -hmm. And atmosphere etc yeah so there's a there's a qualification there's a calculation for the amount of heat that is actually useful yes and the rest is the the entropy mm-hmm. calculation so the it's the, the difference the, is, yeah yeah the entropy is that's a good way to say it, the difference between the energy and the usable energy right so i think there would be chemically speaking you would have to do a lot of research to figure out the exact amount of entropy your smells your smell uh reproductions have yeah and then time them exactly right and then right control the atmosphere in a in a way that is ideal for smell dissipation yeah but it's not entirely it doesn't seem all that far-fetched Mm-mm. to be able to do that it just i don't know i don't know if it's it's all about practicality i think, I think. it's more perception too practicality also and perception but i i don't think that people want to smell movies no i really don't yeah i know so. i agree that's an interesting connection yeah that calculation i think is that would be the the linchpin in in the practicality of making this ever a thing right and uh, people have tried to tried to apply entropy as a broader definition across disciplines yeah so in a social sense or biological sense, although, so the biological is where it really breaks down because, so you can, there's another definition of entropy that says entropy is the, and I think this is the more commonly uh, understood definition, mm-hmm. which is the the motion of a system, the motion within a closed system from order to disorder. Yes. Uh, also applies to smells, I think, in a in an arena or a, a what do you call it an auditorium yeah so it goes from something you can control in a cartridge mm-hmm. and it goes through a, a tube mechanism out to the the sprayer or whatever you're gonna use to disseminate right particles into the air and then once it's out there it's complete yeah chaos mm-hmm. which is the way that people a lot of times use entropy as a as a progression from order to chaos right so I mean you have something ordered. Mm-hmm. which is all your smells, you know, in little canisters and right. they go out into the air and they just mix with the particles of air and it's... Yeah, but I mean, like you can translate this, like you said, to other disciplines, like mm-hmm. anti- anti-entropy would be noise-canceling headphones. Yeah. It's actively collecting chaos and canceling it. So there's an interesting example too about entropy in one system is the opposite, is an opposite motion in the other, in another. Sure. So you take your... You take uh, food that you're eating, uh-huh. and that becomes broken down. It moves from order to disorder right. in your digestive system. Yeah, but within your body, it's gone from disorder to order because it's it's providing energy Correct. to you. Yeah, that's fair. Sense. That's so completely fair. Sometimes there's a I don't know. It's an interesting. It's an interesting thought process. Yeah, about. It, working entropy into practical like practical exchanges of energy right and there's also so there's another uh another aspect of the second law Uh thermodynamics which which is which provides for um, work yeah so without work 
there is no progression from chaos to order, mm-hmm. from disorder to order. So it doesn't, I think the upshot is it doesn't take any work to go from order to disorder. Yeah. But it, it does take work to go from disorder to order. Correct. A stack of bricks. Yes. A pile of bricks. Noise canceling headphones. Noise canceling headphones. Yes. All right. Cool. So what are we, t- what are we talking about next week? Well, I think oddly, I think entropy may apply again. Again, indeed. Utopia. Utopia. Utopian societies. Yeah. The idea of a utopia. It will take a lot of work to go from the disorder. <laughs> a lot of work. But we'll cover that next oh, week. Stay tuned. I know you're you're going to be riveted. On the, the edge of your car seat. Yeah. Or Where the edge of your bicycle seat or wherever you listen to us. Oh, I find it very difficult to listen to podcasts on the bike. Really? Do you? Do you have that experience? Uh, no, actually. That's not what I choose to listen to when on a bike. Yeah. Me either. I just, it's so counterintuitive. It just, yeah, it doesn't match the activity. But at work or, you know, housework or what, yeah. whatnot, it, yeah. it matches that activity just just nicely. That's perfect. Anyway, okay. next week, Autopia? Uh, uh, no. Next week, Utopia. Okay. Utopia. Okay. Utopia. Talk to you then. Thanks for joining us today. Visit impossiblethingspodcast.com to interact with the guys on Twitter, Facebook, and email. Questions, topic suggestions, corrections, and rants are always welcome. Also, find more episodes and see sources referenced in today's discussion. Impossiblethingspodcast.com for all things impossible. Impossible.